We as fans take MMA incredibly seriously most of the time. The consequences for these fighters are very real. The stakes are insanely high across the entire card, each and every show, and there are legitimate concerns about serious topics within the sport that need to be regularly addressed and brought to light. Today, though, we're not going to be talking about any of those things. No, this list is all about the really stupid and minor things we've wasted our energy on over the years in this sport. Whether it's some slight from an outsider, a stupid spat within, or just the absolutely absurd, we're going to be counting down the 10 water cooler debates that we all got a bit too fired up about or invested in, because at the end of the day, it was pretty silly in the first place. I'm Tommy from MMA On Point, and these are the 10 dumbest controversies in MMA history. Number 10. Stephen A. Smith trashes Cowboy for ESPN personalities used to discussing sports and athletes in ways that are totally accepted in pretty much every other realm but MMA, going on to a UFC broadcast is truly uncharted territory. Stephen A. Smith made a career talking about sports the way he talks about sports. Oh, you were tired from dancing and you talking about you gonna beat Michael Jordan? <laughs> and by that I mean he's not afraid to criticize the athletes harshly after their performances. Ooh! And while that's standard practice in pretty much the entire sports world, MMA has always been a bit different, in large part because it's only ever been our own covering the sport. There is of course criticism and analysis that goes on, but there's a certain level of respect, a certain threshold that if crossed by the wrong parties, is going to create some serious tension in the community. That's what Stephen A. Smith did after Donald Cerrone's bout with Conor McGregor at UFC 246. It was nothing out of the ordinary for after a basketball game or when discussing football on first take, but he did it to a beloved MMA fighter as an outsider on a UFC broadcast after the guy just had an awful night in the cage. Listen, I'm shocked and disappointed. I expected it to end in round two. I didn't expect it to end in 40 seconds. Cowboy Cerrone just didn't look right. And oh shit, were people unhappy about this one. I mean, this didn't go over well at all. Everybody in the community had a take on it. Think pieces were being done, videos made. Stephen A, who's seen it all, and then some, didn't even flinch a bit at the controversy, but the feathers remained ruffled in the MMA world. There is still a hugely negative reaction to the broadcaster whenever he even so much as thinks about MMA now. He does have some mean hands though, doesn't he? Number nine, Ariel Hawani versus Brendan Schaub. It's nothing new for personalities in the MMA space to take issue with each other. After all, this is the fight game, right? But while me having beef with P.T. Carroll isn't going to make headlines, by the way, I'm just kidding, I have no problem with P.T., the man is an Irish angel, Ariel Helwani, a giant of the MMA industry having issues with Brendan Schaub, who regularly has a spot on the biggest podcast literally in the world, and has made a presence in the MMA space himself through various programs and appearances on Showtime, yeah, that's going to be news. It might be silly news, but people were interested. As far as I can tell, the tensions went all the way back to the UFC 199 debacle that was Helwani's brief life time banning over the Brock Lesnar return scoop. Ariel took issue with Schaub regularly repeating a version of the narrative that wasn't accurate and painted him in a bad light. After Helwani left ESPN this year for a variety of new jobs, one gig he landed was the Jake Paul Tyron Woodley sit-down for Showtime, a job Brendan quipped on one of his podcasts was only given to Ariel because he didn't want it. Uh, that, How do you think he got the job? <laughs> I don't want to do it. This slight would set off a chain of escalating events that would result in several segments on both figures' shows, the newly resurrected MMA Hour and The Fighter and the Kid, being dedicated to the back-and-forth beef, with Helwani going scorched earth for 20 minutes at a time. This man legitimately thinks that he is better than us. And Shab eventually getting to the say it to my face phase. Hey, dude, come after me. Don't go after Brian. It would appear the two parties eventually had a talk over the phone and things have finally cooled down with minimal bloodshed. Number eight, Dana and the Internet Pirates. There's a long and storied history of Dana White versus the internet, particularly as it relates to those swashbucklers who so very often steal his product, UFC pay-per-views. And while the seas can often be rough for those seeking compensation for lost booty, just look at the lunacy that Triller attempted recently, asking for confessions and the cost of the pay-per-view in exchange for leniency, White took things to hilarious new levels in the lead-up to UFC 257, the Poirier-McGregor rematch, and clearly what was to be the biggest card of the year in terms of pay-per-view sales, and of course pirated streams as well. After being taunted by a scallywag on Instagram over stealing the 
the card, White declared he had a, quote, surprise for you motherfuckers. The vague threat was elaborated on in the coming weeks, with Dana bragging that the promotion had overcome some sort of legal hurdle that would make finding and prosecuting pirates easier. We're going to catch some of these guys in, in, in 2021, and I look forward to the crying and the and the begging. Hilariously, at Fight Week, White claimed that he had chosen individuals who taunted him about illegally streaming the show to make an example of, and that a particular pirate's home was being monitored and his phone was tapped. We're watching his house. We're listening to his phone conversations. I will go guns a fucking blazing on this guy. I guess that legal hurdle was the Patriot Act. Dana claimed the streamer chickened out and told everyone on his site how to instead legally buy the UFC card. That's right, they got him, they got the pirate, and nobody has ever stolen a UFC pay-per-view since. As the weeks went on, Dana's campaign against the internet would take a back seat as they either gave up or they decided discussing phone tabs publicly wasn't a good idea. Number seven, Frank Beer goes too far. Hyperbole is the name of the MMA game. We love hyperbole. Everything is the biggest, the best. We use phrases like war and warriors. Fighters are going to battle. They'll be carried out on their shields. You could even say, I'm going to kill everyone like Hamza just did after his UFC 267 bout, and fans know what he actually means. I come here for everyone. Kill everybody. I'm the champ. I'm the king. Get he plans on defeating everyone in his division in sanctioned bouts under some form of the unified rules of MMA, being overseen by state officials in a predetermined location and time, agreed upon by both parties and signed to legal contract. What I'm getting at here is that you got a lot of leeway to say some pretty outlandish stuff and it not get taken seriously. Stump on his head as he's unconscious. Which is why what Frank Mir did is so stupid. In the lead up to his interim title fight with Shane Carwin at UFC 111, Mir was asked about a potential trilogy with Brock Lesnar on a radio show and had this to say about his desired outcome. You know, I hate who he is as a person. I want to break his neck in the ring. I want him to be the first person to die due to octagon-related injuries. Jesus, Frank, did you have to be so specific about it? Mir would be at the least verbally reprimanded by the UFC and would make a public apology regarding his murderous intent. White later assured the media that Mir would never say anything like that again. This was before the blanket boys will be boys policy enacted by Dana sometime around 2016. Number six, ring card girls. The number of articles, YouTube videos, and Twitter threads dedicated to a quote from Habib Nurmagomedov on ring card girls is pretty staggering. In August, the former lightweight champion was asked in a Russian language Q&A why the card carrying bottles are absent from his Eagle Fighting Championship promotion, to which Nurmagomedov gave a pretty long-winded answer. But the quote that made the biggest impact was ring girls are the most useless people in martial arts. Habib then went on to explain that their function as indicators of the round could be replaced by the displaying of that information on digital screens, something of course nobody has ever considered before. The practicality of their function wasn't the Eagles' real issue, but the sexualization, something he said he did not want in his promotion. For the next month or so, hot takes on ring card girls and their place in the sport were everywhere, with opinions running the gamut and landing just about anywhere you can imagine. Other fighters were asked for their opinions on the matter in Fight Week interviews. And no one have right to say that they are useless. Many of the ring card girls themselves chimed in. Instead of the discussion being about Habib, it became more so about ring card girls themselves as a whole and whether they should exist at all, which seems like a pretty big leap from where we started. Why now is the fate of ring card girls in the balance because Habib doesn't like them? A similar debate began after Ronda Rousey dismissed ring card girls six years prior. I'm sorry, but she wouldn't have a job if it wasn't for the fighters. She wouldn't. While there are certainly meaningful discussions that can be had about the sexualization of women in sports and the nature of ring card girls, most of the sensationalizing that occurs whenever one of these quotes makes headlines feels like it's more so in service of feeding the social media beast and bringing out a lot of unnecessary nastiness towards actual ring card girls than it is about having any real discussions. Don't slag them off. Number 5. Dana's War with EA 
If you're planning on taking on the biggest sports video game company in history, you'd better make sure it's in your best interest to do so. And maybe it was, or at least things worked out. According to Dana White, in 2007, he tried to set up a meeting with Electronic Arts in order to make a deal for a UFC game. EA is the publisher of Madden, FIFA. They own the lion's share of the sports gaming world. That still holds true in 2021. Your game is f White alleges the execs just shit all over MMA and said it wasn't even a real sport, that they would never make a game about such garbage. So Dana took his license and went to THQ instead, eventually releasing UFC 2009 Undisputed and two more titles that were all successful. But when it was announced that same year that EA would be releasing their own MMA game, White went on the warpath, declaring that any fighter who signed their likeness over to EA would never fight in the UFC. I don't give a fuck. Mind you, this is when Strikeforce still existed, a promotion that would be featured heavily in the game and so Dana was essentially attempting to sabotage EA's project by scaring off any fighters with UFC ambitions or any independent contractors already working with the promotion. Time heals all wounds, though, and so does millions of dollars, because as THQ was in its death throes, the UFC license would go to EA in 2012, that whole war a few years back, a thing of the past. With a recent re-up of a decade, it's safe to say that EA and UFC will be at peace for a while. Number 4. Addison Ray Steals Jobs MMA fans in general are weary of outsiders. We don't like new folks, particularly notable folks who want to join in on our fun. Fans worry they might somehow corrupt it or bring in a crowd that just doesn't get the sport. This hesitation has led to some pretty stupid controversies, but one of the dumbest is without question what happened with TikTok star Addison Rae in the lead up to UFC 264. Seeing as the show was going to be a huge pay-per-view draw and Rae is a client of parent company Endeavor, the powers that be thought it would be a good idea to include her in some of their TikTok promotional work for the show, including an interview with Dustin Poirier on Fight Week. The setup was done in front of a UFC backdrop with a UFC microphone. It looked very official, and so the 20-year-old who's always looking for a photo op decided to make a joke about the scene on her Twitter account that a whole bunch of people weren't laughing about. Ray said, I studied broadcast journalism in college for three whole months to prepare for this moment. Fans immediately assumed the worst, that Addison was now a permanent UFC fixture. Not only had she likely taken jobs from some hardworking sports journal on their way up, but maybe she was replacing a beloved member of the current broadcast team. By next pay-per-view, she might as well have Joe Rogan spot calling the fights. With no context and the bad joke, fans lashed out hard. Ray was trending all day on social media over the incident, joking later that she was fired over the controversy. Look, I get it, I don't want TikTokers talking to me either, but at the same time, maybe we should all figure out what happened exactly before we, you know, freak out about it like we always do about everything in this sport. Number 3. Connor versus the Showtime Guy If you go and check the social media of Steven Espinoza, the now president of Showtime Sports, you will inevitably and very quickly find in reply to almost anything he says some mention of him being a weasel, and that is because of Connor McGregor, and this ridiculously silly beef that stems from that time that notorious boxed Floyd Mayweather for hundreds of millions of dollars. I'm sure when Espinosa graduated from the UCLA School of Law with a Juris Doctor in 1996, he never imagined that one of the most notable things that would ever happen to him was a spat with the biggest cage fighter in the world. This whole thing started at the Los Angeles leg of the four-stop Maymac press conference world tour meant to promote the show. It was the first such event, and because of the structure, you can tell Connor was a bit uncomfortable. Something pretty rare to see when it comes to putting on a show for the media. On top of that, there were regularly microphone issues, and while he adapted as the show went on, things certainly didn't go as Connor had hoped on that first day. The second stop was Toronto, and McGregor was on fire. The awkwardness of the last show completely gone, Connor ripped into anyone and everyone, including Espinosa, who he repeatedly called a fucking weasel. You little weasel! Look at you, you little fucking weasel! I can see it in your eyes! Claiming that it was in fact Showtime Sports that was trying to sabotage him at the first show, cutting his microphone off. Caught my mic off! 
Cut the jam jams, my guff! Stephen would largely dismiss McGregor's notion that the network had it out for him, but the story would keep its legs through the press tour, with Connor making the exec a regular target. Dana White even got in on the Espinosa bashing. In the end, though, everyone got filthy rich, and I'm sure shared a drink or two. But the lasting effects of this silliness remain on Stephen's social media to this day. Number two, Israel Adesanya's nipple. Where to start on this one? I guess just how about the nipple? Prior to his highly anticipated middleweight title defense at UFC 253 against Paulo Costa, particularly on fight night but also at the weigh-ins, fans began to notice a physical change in Israel Adesanya that had never been there prior. The tissue around his right nipple looked particularly larger than it had previous. Perhaps John Jones said it best when he tweeted, What's up with Izzy right tit? Good question, John. While the whole of the MMA community began to ponder what exactly was up with Izzy right tit, he would absolutely decimate what was expected to be his toughest challenge yet in Costa, earning an easy second round TKO. This superhuman performance only adding fuel to the Nipplegate fire. Now, some of you are probably sitting here thinking, Tommy, what the hell does this growth on his chest have to do with anything? Well, it just so happens that a common side effect of PED usage can be what's known as gynecomastia, or as the cool kids call it, gyno. And it can look a whole lot like Izzy right tit. Although, to be fair, the condition can have other causes besides sipping the Capri Sun. But Adesanya's sudden onset had fans, medical experts, and armchair doctors wildly speculating as to what exactly had happened and why. The champ initially dismissed the issue why are they looking at my titties? But would later reveal the UFC doctor said it could have been from smoking too much weed. I'm not going to even attempt to dive into what actually happened here as I'm nowhere near qualified, but there's tons of content for you to take a look at about it if you want to do a deep dive. In his subsequent fights, Stylebender's boob has gone back to normal and the controversy has largely been forgotten. But for one special night in 2020, one man's nipple had the world captivated. Number one, Lesnar going off on Bud Light. That's Coors Light because Bud Light won't pay me nothing. Yes, it was perhaps one of the greatest post-fight rants in MMA history. A vindicated Brock Lesnar, after having defeated Frank Mir in a rematch of their ill-fated UFC 81 encounter, was on top of the MMA world, headlining the biggest card in the promotion's history, celebrating their 100th pay-per-view, retaining the heavyweight title in just his fifth pro bout. And while the Beast Incarnate had plenty to say about his opponent and the horseshoe that was apparently up his ass, as well as what he intended to do with his wife when he got home after the event, the sentiment that really caused a stir that has been removed from fight Pass, so as to make you believe it never happened was when the champ mentioned what he would be drinking at home that night to celebrate. Not Bud Light, the UFC's biggest blue chip sponsor at the time. Mind you, this is in 2009, so for an MMA promotion to have a deal with a company as big as Anheuser-Busch was, well, a big deal. But Coors Light, a competing brand of beer that certainly didn't have any connection to the sport. The issue was over a personal sponsorship that Brock felt he was deserved. That's a Coors Light because Bud Light won't pay me nothing. So you had the biggest star in the UFC shitting all over the UFC's most coveted sponsorship. Brock Lesnar very well may be a to do anything. But even this was apparently beyond the scope of his reign. The champion gave an apology at the post-fight press conference. So I want to apologize. Um, I acted very unprofessionally after the fight. With a Bud Light sitting right there next to him. Oh, to have been a fly on the wall backstage with Dana yelling at a Viking warlord over his choice of beer. What a sport. Big ol' shout out to my dude Luke Taylor for editing this video together. You can find him and his awesome digital art on Twitter at CoolToMe underscore. A big, big thank you to Ben Rosette who provided that sweet tune you heard in the intro. Check out his music by clicking the link in the description and go give him a follow on his Instagram and Twitter page at Ben Rosette. Alright, that's all I got for you. Thanks for watching. Please like, subscribe, and have a wonderful day.